Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here and on this week's show I'm interviewing Diane Gibbs to find out how to make the most of university. But before we dive into that I want to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored the Logo Geek podcast. FreshBooks is an online accounting software for freelancers and small business owners that allows you to quickly create and send branded invoices, track expenses, keep track of your time and more. It keeps you organized and looking professional. So I recommend that you go and check them out and you can do that with a free 30 day trial. To claim that, just visit freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek and be sure to enter Logo Geek in the How Did You Hear section to get started. So as mentioned this week, we're going to be talking about university. I see so many young designers online now questioning if they should go or even if it's needed because there's so much uh, free resources and information online. But I personally think it's important and that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. Whilst I didn't attend university myself, my journey to become a designer hasn't been easy and I know that the opportunity that I got at the start of my career where I could learn on the job is probably a very rare occurrence. I do believe that you need guidance and mentorship whichever route you take and I think university is definitely an option worth taking seriously. So to discuss this topic, I've invited my friend Diane Gibbs on the show. Diane is a graphic designer, an entrepreneur, a business owner and consultant. She's also a college professor at the University of South Alabama. She also continuously works to inspire and motivate and she does that through Design Recharge, which is a show where she interviews designers so that we can all learn from them. I love the way that she does it. She does those interviews live so that you can actually all just jump on and join, ask questions and really get involved in it. So it's a fantastic platform. And like I said, I highly recommend that you go and check that out. In this interview, we discuss at length the value of attending university, how you can prepare to make the most of your time there, what what you can do to ensure that you do get a job when you leave. And we also have a deep dive discussion on networking too. It's a fantastic interview, so let's just jump straight into this. Here is the interview with Diane Gibbs. One of the main topics I'd like to discuss with you is university and how designers can get the most out of the experience to get the the job that they've always dreamed of once they finish their studies. Now, I've met and interviewed designers who have been self-taught and those who have studied at university. So I know that there are different options out there now. So from your perspective, what do you feel is the the benefit of attending university if, if you do want to become a graphic designer? So I think I am like you. I've interviewed plenty of people who also are just self-taught. So I think yeah. here's the difference. You have people, and I'm not saying that people who go to university are lazy or anything like that, but it takes a unique person to be able to be a self-taught in the drive and motivation that it takes. Um, and sometimes people need their hand held a little bit longer. And uh, without YouTube, without all the books that we have now, I think it was very, it was much more difficult. And also I believe yeah. that at some point um, there was this, and I still think there are jobs out there that say, hey, you need this degree to yeah. proceed and not necessarily at an ad agency or at a design firm. And definitely not freelance, but to get some positions, they'll say, oh, well, you have to have a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts, not a BA, yeah. a Bachelor of Arts. So they wanted a focused degree. And that's in more corporate work, I think. Um, you know what I mean? And thanks for having me on yeah. the show, by the way. I just wanted to make I sure hope I you're very welcome. pop that in. <laughs> Um, but I also think, so it's just two different kinds of people. I have self-starters as well. I actually feel like the students who do best are going to be the ones who don't just do what I'm asking, the minimum. You know, they're not, those minimum kids are sometimes there because their parents want them to be in at school. They think that that's going to be a leg up. But really, it takes a lot to be a designer today. And yeah. it, you can't just do the minimum. And 
So the kids who are most driven. So it's it's you're getting led into what things are important by somebody else who's already been more than likely in the industry and is still in the industry doing work and has great connections. I realized that one of the biggest advantages that is really hard to implement online is that community. You've done a great job in the Facebook group for Logo Geek, but there is something, it's the automatic response, seeing people's facial expressions when you put your uh, branding, you know, up or when you have a publication, um, the thing about university is we're kind of teaching you a lot of things, or that's how we do it here. We kind of touch on a lot of things. So it may be something that as you dive deep into something on your own, you may not even realize that designers do this. So it's kind of an overall, but then we hopefully are helping you say, okay, you know what? You're really good at this. And sometimes a lot of people just need somebody to respond and to guide them. So that's another place that university is um, is is really helpful. But I'm also in that mindset. It doesn't, I mean, as a college professor, I don't think everybody needs to go to college. Um, yeah. But it it is an advantage. I think that if you can afford it, it's a great advantage to go ahead and do that. Mm. I I didn't actually attend university myself, as, as you're aware, but I was very, very lucky to have got an opportunity early in my life um, where I could basically learn on the job by making mistakes. Um, I find when when you are teaching yourself, you, you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. um, and you don't know what you should know or how to improve. Mm-hmm. Like at, at the beginning, uh, that was a real struggle for me, but through the years I've learned a lot from books and from colleagues and just by observing good quality work. So, so based on, on that, from my perspective, even though I'm a self-taught graphic designer, I, I really think university has so much value as um, you have someone guiding you. And I, I think it's the, it's the, one of the best ways to um, learn how to do this job. Right. Well, and it's also terms, you know, it's like we're teaching you terms that you might not know on your own. And so even when you're Googling something, I, this is the thing that, you know, with students, they're like, I'm just trying to do this. And it's like, Google doesn't understand what you're trying to do. But if you ask me, then I can tell you what to Google because sometimes you just need that. So it's a mentor. So if you're going to do this on your own, you need somebody who's going to be a mentor or need a few people. I I think you can manufacture this, but there are going to be some things that you're going to come across. One is confidence. Sometimes some people have too much confidence, but one of the things I've seen most often is that people don't have enough confidence, that they their confidence is waning because they think there's this big, huge thing on their shoulder, they think, that says, I don't have a degree. I can't do this. Nobody's put that stamp of approval for me. And I don't agree with that. I don't think you need a stamp of approval. I actually believe um, the stamp comes... I do believe you need a mentor or a few, and then you need a community and a community that's a a small group of people, I would say under 10, that's going to give you real feedback that may be at the same place as you, or it may be at a a little ahead of you. And some of those people may be a little ahead in some areas and some may people be behind. But I think if you're trying to kind of get this, I think having a place to learn and a you know, you don't know how long something's going to take you. When you started podcasting, you didn't know how long this, you didn't, there wasn't a professional podcasting network, you know, out there at the time when you started. Right. So, so how do you learn? You learn by trial and it's the same thing like marketing. That's all those people do is they just try new things and they um, see if it works. And, and that's how we work too, to some extent, but you have to have enough confidence to say, okay, I don't know what I'm, I don't know enough about this. So let's try this. And I do that with clients and I have a master's degree. I do not think that a degree makes you a better or worse designer. I think some students, unfortunately, they think that it will get them that pass in, but the 
it is still your portfolio. Nobody ever asked me what grades I made. Nobody even really asked me. I mean, they saw on my resume, I guess, or my CV that says um, that I had, you know, a degree from Auburn University in design and and that was enough. But my portfolio was what got me in the door and my portfolio was what got me the job, not my a degree. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I've been fortunate to have been in the in the position where I've needed to hire graphic designers to join uh, the the team at the agency I work at, and we always go by by the portfolio. Like you, you just want to be able to see that they're actually able to to do the job and actually, you know, do the work that that's needed. You, you base your your choice on if they can actually do the job. You you don't base it on. Um, if they attended university or if they have certain qualifications mm-hmm. and and that's very much why I thought it was beneficial to actually have this conversation so that we can speak about the 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 value of um, university because if it's only the portfolio that matters it's easy to question why you should go to university but um, the the benefits you've already mentioned such as the guidance the direction mentorship um network and so on make it immensely valuable but to actually get the job that you want you do need to learn and you need to work hard so that you do have a a solid portfolio for 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 the time when you do actually need to go out and look for a job Mm -hmm. so to steer the conversation for those listening who are considering university what would you recommend that they do um before attending university to make sure that they make the most of their experience. Okay. So there's two different kinds of students. You have, uh, well, there's three really, but there's a student who actually lives in the same house with their parents. Yes. Right? And then there's a student who goes off to university and lives in a dorm or lives in an apartment or something. I think there's an advantage to that um, because they, what I find a lot of our students don't, leave they just stay um they stay in their house with their parents and so i feel like you grow up a lot as a person um as an adult you know just having to pay your own bills to some extent you're not having to pay all of them because your parents are still paying for a lot of that but you have to actually clean your bathroom and you have to get your groceries and those are things that aren't necessarily just supplied by you know somebody else that's living with you. You also have to learn to live with other people. And I think that those are great advantages of going away to a university that's not necessarily right, you know, 15 minutes away Yeah. Um, okay. by drive. So I think you're learning different things there. I would say for those kids, you need to learn about money and you need to learn about budgets. And that's what I would tell parents to talk to their kids about and I would have them give give them a budget and have them regularly once a month they have to do the grocery shopping and they have to handle the budget for the house. What I find is that there are kids who are 24, they're graduating from college and have never paid a bill or have never cleaned their bathroom or have never, you know, had to get the tires changed on their car or oil change or anything like that. And so that there's life skills that are really critical that I think parents need to be getting into so if if your parents aren't a part of your your life then you have an advantage there um i mean not that that sounds terrible um that's not what i mean i mean if you you know if you're doing this stuff on your own and you are thinking about going back to school and then there's 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 going to be an advantage cuz you already have the adulting done and i feel like that's an a, a disadvantage for kids who graduate and then move away and get a job it can be a disadvantage because they have to do all this adulting and learning how to be an adult on their own and it's very shocking and can be so the university is a safe place to be like oh my gosh i just couldn't go to class this week like okay well you're not going to fail this would probably cause you maybe to get uh, you know, something at work is going to happen if you just don't show up for a week. So, but it's not going to happen at a university. So it's a safe place to kind of fail. So uh, a huge advantage, I think, to going away to university. Now, some parents are great and they teach their kids all these things. Um, So 
terrific. I had to clean. I had chores. You know, I had things like that. But one of the things I didn't have um, was uh, budgeting. My parents didn't really talk to me about budgeting and money. Um, we were always tight on money, you know, but it, I had everything. I always had shampoo. I had clean towels. You know, I had all the things that I took for granted other kids were having to pay for or um, when I went to school. So it really made me, it was another advantage of living with a whole bunch of other girls is that, wow, this one girl asked for shampoo for Christmas. And it was so like, oh my goodness, she asked for shampoo. Like I've never had to ask for shampoo, you know, and she came from another city. I grew up in Atlanta. She came from another like little town outside of Atlanta. So she came from a good family. You know, um, her mom was a single mom, but it was like she was having to pay for so much of school herself that shampoo and detergent for the laundry were things that she asked for at Christmas. And I was like, man, but now as an adult, you know, I'm like, yeah, those things get expensive, you know? Oh yeah, they do. I, I, I love that you're sharing all of this as, um, you know, it's things that you don't really think of. So I think that that's just an adulting thing. So again, I would still have a mentor. I would have somebody who's been an adult or lived on their own for at least, you know, four years that could maybe like take you under their wing and say, hey, you know, this is how I pay my bills or this is how I do this online. I set a calendar reminder or or whatever. You just don't want to mess up with money or bills or your apartment or things like that. You know, those are things to kind of, and with university, you're also in with a whole bunch of other people who are learning at the same time. So you can learn from other people's mistakes. Um, the other, I think really what you were asking me was really about design and what could people do. So I have some topics for that. I would say if you are thinking about one of the things that I see even with students who are in design, I would I say they have they don't really know a lot about the community that's already a part. They feel like, oh, well, I'm so new. I can't be a part of this online community that's Logo Geek or I can't be a part of um, they just maybe don't know about the network of designers. And that is key. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but having beginning early to be part of that network, I think that maybe this is something that I think millennials are much better at. And maybe people who are younger, I don't know what that generation is called. Do you? I have no idea. I, I think it might be Gen X. I, I'd need to check. But but I think that they, millennials I know don't care as much, They which is great, which is an advantage for them. Um but what I would say is typography. I, that is what I think is very difficult for students to grasp as well as it's difficult for professionals to grasp. It's something I'm continually always learning about. So those would be people, I would do some classes online if you can, go to some workshops, even as a, um, I would try to get involved in an online community that's going to be teachable, you know, teaching and like the future or logo geek or getting people a part of, I have um, some friends that run type ed, it's type hyphen ed. I don't know if you've ever interviewed yeah, them. Yeah, I had but Michael on the podcast last season and uh, I know Rachel too. They, those guys do some really good stuff. Yeah, and it's, I always learn something like, and I'm teaching kids and I don't even know everything Michael knows, but I also think it's, it's about having talking to professionals, like go shadow somebody and, and ask them. And then maybe that person can be your mentor and teach you things that I bet you anything you won't be, you won't know. The other thing I think is an advantage is some of the business stuff. I also think watching documentaries, being, you know, understanding history, all those things actually make you a better designer because you have stories to tell. So it's also just the, you know, understanding people, understanding culture. So sociology, do some studies in that. Or I, I read a lot of psychology stuff because it's about how people think. And I know you do too, because you and I have had some great conversations about that. But I think it's like a professional athlete, just because you say, I just learned to ride a bike. It's not like I'm going to go this weekend and go, you know, decide that I'm going to ride a bike in a race, 
you know, like with other professionals or, or be in the Olympics. Oh, well, I know how to ride a bike. No, nobody does that. It's a continuous learning. You're always improving. Your eye is also a muscle. So you're you're teaching yourself what is good. And I think as you start, you don't realize all the little nuances in typography. But as you go, you get better and better. Just like a chef with his palate, you're, you're training your eye. And I guess I just think, you know, it's, we are professional. I always tell students, I'm like, okay, well, there are these kids who are out there and they're playing football and they're practicing every afternoon, every afternoon, right? And then on the weekend they go play and they're prepping to be a professional athlete. Well, you are prepping to be a professional designer. So why aren't you exercising that muscle in the afternoon, every afternoon, just as much? And I don't know if they just don't see the the you know, when you're exercising or your coach puts you in, um, maybe that you see that um, effect of your hard work, you know, the results. Um, but but that's why I love how you do logos, Ian, because you're doing, you're trying to do them within about a week time. You're doing the research, which is really intense. But talk about professional athlete. There you go. You're like a perfect example of this. As you design, you do research, you do client interactions, you're, and then you try to produce something at a, a level. You're not spreading it out over three years to do one logo. Yeah, I, I'd say that comes from working in a, an agency environment. Like You, you just got to get things done and um, mm-hmm. you, you have to learn to do things quickly uh, to, to a high standard. I, I remember in school, you'd, you'd be given weeks or months to work on mm-hmm. a project, but in the real world, and unless you're charging extortionate prices, like thousands of pounds or thousands of, of dollars, you you just need to get the, the, the job done. Otherwise, you'll be living on a very small amount of money. So, you know, if in order to be able to charge realistic prices, you you have to get the job done so you have to um really hone your skills mm. you know just so that you can get that work done in a realistic time frame absolutely i mean it's like you with your process you're not just sitting um in front of your computer doing it you have this big table and you have these big sheets of paper and you're just ideas 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 but if you weren't as if you just went to work and you came home and you went to the grocery and you came home and you did nothing else, Ian, you would not be as good of a, a designer. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I'm, I've, I've been learning and practicing in my own time for, for years, and mm. and I, I think as a designer, you're, you're always learning. Like I know earlier today, I popped into Starbucks and there was this sign on the on the side, and I couldn't help but notice the the terrible kerning mm-hmm. and I just wanted to fix it. Um, but when I see something that's, that's perfect, it, it's hard not to appreciate that work. And I try to understand what makes something really great. So, mm. you know, I'm always learning every day on, on the go, even when I'm not actually sat down at my desk working. Because you're a professional. So when you're going, it's just like if I was a football player or or whatever, American football player, (laughs) um, then I would be, every time I saw a game on TV, I would be focused in. I'd be like, oh, dude, that guy just messed up or that guy, or I would have done it different. And it's exactly, we are, because you're a professional athlete in design. It's weird hearing someone say something like that because you keep going and going and going and, and you never really stop to think about where you started and, you know, where you are now. Um, so hard work really pays off, but I think personally, I, I'll always be driven to keep learning and, and improving. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, going back on topic, when you're at university, you're, you're mentored, guided and given work to do. So beyond just doing what's asked, is there anything that you would recommend students do whilst at university to make sure that they're in the best position possible to get a a graphic design job once they have finished their studies? So this is where networking comes in. And I hate that term because it sounds so like car dealer. I don't know if y'all have that over in the UK. Yeah, we do. And and I've been to those networking events where you meet those, you know, sleazy people (laughs) who are trying to sell you stuff. 
Okay. So, so that's why I don't like the term networking, but really it's like making friends online and then hopefully getting to see them in person at some point, but making friends online in a way so that if I, so Ian, I think of you as my friend, if I needed something, I could, I could, um, message you or I could, I probably not going to call you because that'd be way long distance. I don't have that kind (laughs) of uh, plan, but I could message you and then we could jump on a video chat and I could show you what I was doing or, you know, but that's because we have a friendship because we started because one of us reached out to one of, right. One person started, asked one person a question and that's all it is. It's, um, and I think that that's where students who have a university, they don't do this. And I think people who, don't have a university background, they do do this because they don't know any way else to get uh, to talk to someone in the field. So the students are using their teachers and they think, okay, I've done, I've done it. I'm, I'm good, but it's not, it's not good. You need to make your own connections. Our industry, and I've said this so many times is so incestuous, but not in a bad way. I guess I don't really know how to say that in a good way, but I live in Alabama, people. And I'm just kidding. There's no, I mean, that incestuous (laughs) is bad anywhere. But how this is in a good way is that we hire people we know. If I needed a logo and I know you do it quick and you do such a killer job and you have such good way of talking to clients, I'm going to give it to you, Ian, because I know I couldn't turn it in that time. I'm going to just forward it to you and say, he's going to do a great job and now it's a reflection on me with this client, right? This client may never come back to me. They they might come back to me to do something else that's not logo, right? Uh, but now I've given them your name and now that's, now we're connected again. I I think that we can't do everything. So I think having a network of people who you can turn to is going to make everybody stronger and also you are building stronger bonds. So that's one making money, right? But it's also about being somewhere you can ask questions. So I have a mastermind group um, and it's like five women and we all do different things. And I love it because if I need to know something about pattern design, I'm going to go to Jody or Karina. And then if I need to know something about illustration, I'm going to go to Kim. And those are those are things that, you know, I know that I can go to these people for something I can't do. Or if I don't know how to do it quick enough, I may want to try it. I may want to attack it. But, and and so often in design, we have to do a pattern if it's logo design, right? You're, you're creating maybe a whole system for that brand. And so I need somebody, I may can go to YouTube, but it still isn't, fitting all my needs. But what if you reach out to the YouTuber? And I think people just don't do this enough. Like they say, okay, well, I don't know. That person probably has so many followers. I mean, granted, maybe not Casey Neistat is not going to probably email you back or something. But, you know, most people don't have just this huge exorbitant following and they're getting thousands and thousands of comments on every video. So why why don't you just ask them and start a conversation with somebody you look up to yeah that, that's brilliant advice and i can totally re- relate with it like i've been surprised when i contacted rock stars in the industry mm. um, to actually get some kind of re- re- response you know for for this podcast like you can pretty much reach out to any designer and mm. are they maybe not some of the biggest names because a lot of them get will get loads of emails such as like the the pentagram partners um but if you was to reach out to someone like myself or or you we we'd -hmm. probably almost always respond and help where we can Mm -hmm. and um you know you're you're right not enough people do that but it's one of the best ways to get feedback help and advice it's it's basically mentorship but you don't need to tell those people that they're actually going to be your mentor but i've also seen this happen so many times where People are not asked very much and then they yeah. they have a connection. They get a connection with this one person. They don't realize they're being a mentor, just like you said, but then they end up like really helping that person get a job. I interviewed Britt Davis, who works at the Falcons, which is American football, and she had a mentor 
but he she just asked him. She met him at a conference. They she went up to him and she told him about a project she was working on, and she wanted to get feedback from him about the project. It can't just be like, "Hey, can I sit next to you?" Just because I want your awesomeness to rub off on me. I think you have to have something specific to ask. And I also think just like you and I, we ask people to be on our podcast. We are okay with rejection because we understand they're not really rejecting us. They're just rejecting this opportunity right now. They actually might want to do it later. The pentagram people might want to, they, they might say just now is so bad. We're so busy. We can't do it. And that is not a rejection forever. It's just a not now, you know? But it's a lot different of asking somebody just to look at something and get feedback from like one or two things than saying, hey, can I have a job? Those are two totally different things. And I don't have a job for everybody. You know, so Sagmeister asking him for a job is very different than asking him, hey, can you give me feedback on this logo? Yeah. Right. And I I think it's starting with those small things. It's like asking. It's like if you're if you really are in love with the girl at the grocery store, you know, you go you go through her line. You make sure you go on Tuesdays because that's when she works and you go through her line and you ask her one question every week. And then in, you know, three months, you have enough um, you have enough of a relationship to ask her out on to coffee. And that's, you know, people ask people out to coffee and then they ask people out on a, a dinner date or lunch date, something that's longer. And so it's the same thing in, in design. You have to start these little conversations. That's why the, the social media is so, the social media, I don't know, how old am I? Um, <laughs> how social media is so impactful. You know, you can start these little, I love you conversations. And I mean, obviously not that kind of love, but the that conversation and then it can because people want people want people to like them people want to help other people you know they just don't know you and so if you're just cold calling hey i'd like to sell you this vacuum cleaner well i don't need a vacuum cleaner thank you you know like or or you're you have to realize what they need and what they want i think it's you when I tell my students and they're reaching out and I'm like, you need to tell them something specific that you really like. Not like, oh, hey, I've been a huge fan of your work. Um, I'd like for you to um, look at my portfolio. I was like, no, you can say you're a huge fan of their work, but you need to say something specific. I love this blank that you did. And I love how you did the typography or I love how the kerning was done or I love how the illustration was uh, so simple, like then it shows that you know what you're talking about. You're not just this fan girl trying to, you know, get a photo opportunity with this person. You actually want you love their mind, and and that's what you're 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 starting relationships. And I think it's, you have to start somewhere. And the internet is so great because you can either give somebody a message through social media, or you can send them an email. Um, I think people ignore emails a lot easier. So it's a lot easier to reject somebody there. But I also think there's something so powerful about face-to-face. And Ian, I know you and I have never met in person, but I feel like I know you because I have seen your facial reactions. I, I Me and you have had numerous um, face-to-face interactions. And I actually really do agree with, I love Skype or I love Zoom for those video chat or FaceTime or whatever. And I would just ask to do that. I think it actually builds stronger relationships to have those face-to-face, even if it's not in person. I don't see full body, right? But face-to-face, I see reactions. And I think that that's something that a lot of introverts, that can be very scary for them. But that's how we deal with clients a lot of times is face-to-face or we do it. A lot of my clients are either over the phone or in... um, or they're in Colorado or, you know, they're in other places. So I have to have a good phone voice or I have to have a good, um, you have to show excitement. You have to show interest in your voice or in your facial expressions if you are doing a video chat. Um, One thing I would like to add to what you said about reaching out to people by doing this podcast and running the the Logo Geek community, I've got to a place now where I do get quite a few messages and emails from other graphic designers asking questions. And there's been a lot of times where they've done what you said and they've been really friendly. They've asked uh, specific things. And 
in all of those situations, I've been happy to help. And a lot of those people have become friends too. But on occasion, I've had messages out of the blue asking things like, can you take a look at my portfolio? Here's a link. And that's all they send. And I mean, firstly, I, I would say that's such a big ask because it can take so much time to go through a portfolio. Mm. And in in a lot of cases like that, because there's not been any other message sent, I just ignore those messages as, as I don't really have time to dig for details. But every time people have been very specific um, and, you know, mm. done it in the way that you said, I've always been happy to help if I've had the time. But I I just have to stress, don't just send a link to your portfolio and expect feedback you know do it the way that diane said be very specific don't don't just send a link Mm-mm. to your portfolio when i also don't know what they want you know if you say look at my portfolio i'm like okay what yeah what are like, you expecting you right <laughs> so it, it, right so what kind of job there's so many other questions like i think that having a small win in the beginning is really important. Just like in dating, it's the same way. Just yeah. ask for something small. Like uh, I, there was this episode of Oprah um, back a long time ago when she was on regular daytime television and she was like teaching kids how to go up and find good strangers. So these are strangers. These are designers. So find a, a designer that will give you the time, right? Literally, like mm-hmm. that was what mm-hmm. she had them doing in the grocery store, just going up and asking somebody, hey, can you tell me what time it is? And then she would, you know, the mom would be near. So it wasn't like they were totally in a grocery store on their own. But so you got to go to a safe place. Think about this as designers go to a safe place. So maybe you go to a group that is active, right? And you're seeing it's, um, encouraging instead of like, oh my gosh, it's like a Reddit post or something where people are just ripping people apart. Not a safe place there. So don't go there. But somewhere there's there, you see encouragement and you see um, good critical feedback and that's helpful. So you got to kind of be able to assess and analyze the the grocery store, right? For designers. Mm-hmm. And then you got to go up and then see somebody who's active and is further along in the game than you are, and then ask, do that small ask. So could you look at this one logo and tell me what I could do with my typography? So you're not even asking about the image that's connected to it. You're just asking about typography because this person is great at typography and you're telling them, hey, I have seen you. I know what you're doing. Um, I see how you used typography in a unique way in so-and-so logo. I could you help, could you look at this and give me feedback on my typography? And they want to help, but that's an easy kind of answer. They could either type it or they could say, hey, let's jump on a call and let's do that. I just want to take a short break to tell you more about FreshBooks, who has sponsored the Logo Geek podcast and without them, it simply would not be possible. I remember when I started out as a designer, taking on my own projects, I was creating my own invoices in InDesign and I was keeping a log of my money in an Excel spreadsheet. That was fine at first, but with more projects, it was just taking too much time and tracking expenses in Excel was becoming quite messy and confusing. But then I tried FreshBooks and it changed everything. Invoices that used to take, you know, five, 10 minutes now took around 30 seconds to create. My profits and expenses were also nicely organized too. And I I just immediately felt so much more organized and more professional in the process. If you're not yet using an accounting software, I highly recommend that you give FreshBooks a go. And if you're listening now, you can get a free 30-day trial and there's no strings attached. You don't need to enter any credit card details to try it out. All you need to do is head over to freshbooks.com forward slash logo geek and be sure to enter logo geek in the how did you hear about section to get started. Now let's get back to that interview. I know you attend a lot of graphic design events and and it's probably the best way to meet other uh, designers in reality. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for networking with uh, other designers at such events? So I think there, and you know this because you're a 
perfect example of an introvert that has had to harness your inner extrovert, right? Like you have had to overcome. (laughs) And I think that you're a great example of somebody who's done it, but you did it in small practices. You just kept doing it just like logos. You kept at it. You didn't give up. You were, I, my spirit animal is the beaver because they're just such hard workers and they're community driven and they, they, are really powerful when they build their dams in the right place, right? And they help a lot of other people. Well, you're the exact same way. And you had to get over um, all a whole bunch of fear to be able to do everything you did. But you didn't let anything stop you. You said, I've seen other people do this. I can do this. So when you're at an event, nobody knows you, right? And maybe you go with one other person, but that person is not going to judge you if you decide to harness your inner beaver, right? And say, okay, I'm going to harness my inner Ian and I am not going to walk out of this room without a new, without three new people that I've made friends with and made friends. Let's have a real, you know, a realistic goal. Made friends is maybe um, you talk to them about something that they're working on and you maybe got their information, your their email or you connected with them on Instagram or, or whatever. So whatever your goal is, is maybe you want to have 50 of these. Well, I don't know how long conversations, maybe it's a long event, maybe it's a week long, 50 might not be that difficult. But you should go in with something, especially if you're an introvert, with the goal so that you can feel like, oh my gosh, I, did, I went to that conference, I paid all that money and I didn't get anything out of it right? Like Mm -hmm. I got something out of the talks, but what I really wanted to do was try. So I think I would have a specific goal of how many people I wanted to talk to. Or I, when I go to a conference, I'd try not to eat with people I already know. Like sometimes I have one meal that I eat with people I know, but then the other times it's like, I always invite somebody new because sometimes people are alone. I go to a lot of conferences alone, but I never leave alone ever. I guess that sounds like I'm really loose, but I'm not. This is just like, hey, I just make friends. So people walking, if you're alone and they're alone, make a conversation, start talking to them. And you've had, you now have somebody else. It's easy at a conference because they're branded already. They have their big, you know, badge or they have a bag that everybody was given. So it's easy to kind of point them out or you're both walking in the same, you know, you share yeah. a cab. You, I just think this is a great time. You both are interested. And I think the other thing an introvert needs is some questions. What can I ask other people? First, I want to put this in, in people's heads. We just had a conference last Saturday, so I had to give this talk to my students. How, does you, how do you feel, Ian, when somebody comes up to you? It's it's nice. It's I mean really nice, especially if you're on your own. Like yeah. you, you go there because you want to to meet new people. Um, what I love about conferences is that uh, you you know that you have something in common with everyone. So it's it's really easy just to go up to someone new and just say, "Hey, how are you finding the event so far?" Exactly. And you had something specific to ask. How are you liking yes. the event? Or yeah, how did you? Yeah. Just like we asked, said for the asking somebody something of someone, ask them. Um, so don't do for the big ask, like, hey, can I eat dinner with you? Maybe not that. <laughs> but what about if you just said, hey, how did you, who was your favorite speaker today? Or what workshop did you attend? Oh, what did you learn? I My husband says, it sounds like I'm an investigator, like they're under the lights. And he's like, Diane, why don't you give them a break? But honestly, people actually like to talk about themselves. So just ask questions. And then this is where learning some facial cues. So you need to practice when you're at home with more other strangers at the grocery store or whatever. Dave um, Clayton talked about how his friend um, Mike forced him to be somebody else. Like literally he said, oh, well, this is Dave and he's the um, financial officer for this construction company. He would just make up something. And Dave was, Dave's a designer, you know, he was not anything in finance, but he had to think on his feet and really thinking on his feet helped him. And then he would always come clean like, oh my gosh, my friend Mike is always throwing me under the bus, you know, but it (laughs) it gave him that he could just think on his feet and be somebody else. And I think sometimes you just need to 
it does make people feel so good when you come up to them. So there are levels, I think, right? You go up to somebody else who's also alone. That's like level one. Level two is going up to people who are walking maybe in the same direction direction, but it's more than one person. But, you know, walking, you can't really walk five people in a row and like take up a whole sidewalk. You kind of have to walk two by two usually. So you start talking to someone that's within a group. And then I think there's different levels than you, if you get to talking, then maybe you can eat lunch with them or, or, or whatever you could get on to a next ask. And then the big one is going up and talking to a group of people, totally cold calling kind of on a big group. But it sometimes is that this group is an introverted group. They know each other and they're too afraid to talk to anybody else. They want to talk to other people, but they're afraid. And that's how I see groups at conferences because I am that weird person that goes up to the whole group and I start talking to them. So if I'm with a group, then I'll say, okay, well, let's meet some new people. And of course, the people I'm with don't want to meet anybody. I mean, they want to, but they don't want to initiate it. So then I'll talk to this new group and it's small. These are like five people and five people. And so then we just make the circle bigger. And I said, oh my goodness, you guys, you have to be able to listen and you have to actually care and be passionate. I think about other people and care about them. It can't just be like, oh, I can't wait till I can talk again. When will they shut up? I just want to talk again. So, so you have to kind of find some commonality between them. So where do they work? Where do they live? What kind of things do they do at work? And then you find you're already at a conference for design. So some where you're going to find some connection. And then you could turn to your other group and say, oh my goodness, I want you to meet Joe. Joe also does that, Ian. Um, you guys should start, you should talk about that. Joe, you do this and blah, blah, blah. And Ian does this, blah, blah, blah. And then it automatically gets you and Joe into a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So now I just step back and I, that's, that's my role. And now I, or sometimes I'll kind of let the whole group and I kind of work it like it's, um, a group meeting and we're all learning about each other. I just, that's kind of like the third tier, I would say, but I just think having questions to ask. So if you're talking to us, I think sometimes it's just about being confident enough to, um, go up to someone and say, um, Hey, you know, what did you think about the speaker? Well, you're both at a conference, so maybe they heard somebody or maybe they didn't. I also think if you're sitting alone, make sure you know the people around you, like get to know them. I always try to sit in the same spot and it's always in the middle, like row 12, because I like to be able to see things really well. I never know anybody sitting next to me, but by the end of it, I do because I've talked to them. We have shared experiences and shared experiences is something that can bond people together. So utilize that like, oh yeah, I really thought about this. Now, if you're falling asleep during that talk, do not start talking to them about that one. You know, if, if you're talking or on your phone or you're doing something that's what could be considered rude, I would not say, hey, the people around you probably aren't going to want to talk to you because you've been talking. It's like nobody wants to talk to the person who's talking on their phone in a movie, right? They actually want that person to leave, right? I know something that I sometimes do at these events, and it's something that you couldn't do 10 years ago, but now there's so many graphic design groups online. You can literally mm. put a post online and say, I'm at this event. Is there anyone in the community that's here too? And if you are a little bit more uncomfortable to go into these, you know, mm. big groups of people and start, you know, just randomly introducing yourself to people, I just find that's a really nice way to meet people. And uh, I, I tend to try and do that. Um, pretty much any event I go to you know you meet someone new and then if I see other people what I do is I'll introduce them to them and you know try and grow um, that network and it's uncomfortable at first but it's definitely worth doing and it's definitely worth connecting and um, you know doing what you've done and just sitting by people that you've never met before just what I do is just go straight up to them and go Hey, how's it going? It's Ian, nice to meet you. I put my hand out to shake, you know, shake hands. And once you've done that, it's an icebreaker and you can just have a chat with them. <laughs> right, exactly. And I also think you should always assume nobody knows who you are because we're designers. We might know people's designs, but we not, might not know what their faces look like. I love what you said about going to the communities you're already involved in and asking, is anybody going? Because this is, 
terrific. I love that because now you actually will have that one friend that you can meet up with. And if you want to, you know, maybe you room with them or maybe you you make sure you go to dinner the first night with them so that you don't feel alone, but you're also not um, making them feel alone. So there again, it's again, shared experiences are bringing people together whether it's a bad client experience or whether it's you're at a conference. So just think about the things. And sometimes it means being vulnerable. You have been a great example of sharing your vulnerability and sharing, you know, where you're feeling raw or where you're feeling not as confident. And I think that that is what draws people to you, Ian, because you've said, hey, I don't know everything. I'm learning. I want to continue learning can you guys help me or, or let's help each other? And it gets better with practice. I re- it really does. Um, personally, I've always been quite anxious in social situations. So uh, like a, a few years back, I would go to these events, just watch the, the, the talks and basically go home and never really talk to anyone new. But now what I do is I, I make sure to find out who's going online so that I've got someone to meet out with when I'm there. Um, I'll also make sure to speak to new people too. And mm-hmm. and because I know quite a few people now, what I tend to do is um make sure that everyone bands together. So if if I've if I met someone new, what I'll do is I'll introduce them to, to the people that I do know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if any of us are going out for drinks like afterwards, I'll I'll make sure that they that they know and I'll ask them to to join us and come along. So I, I've just found the the more that you do things like this and the the the, the more people that, that you know and the easier it becomes uh, to, to connect with new people too. But it makes you feel so good to to help other people. But now you know what it felt like to go alone. So you don't want anybody to feel like that. And then you have this group that you've made. So now you say, hey, we're going for drinks. Do you want to come? And you invite. You are inclusive. And I think that is where we need to be. You you have to be the one that's including other people because designers are inherently introverted. It's not that they don't want to be included. It's just that they think Nobody wants to talk to me. So you yeah. have to be that person because you are amazing. You you as an individual, whoever you are listening to this right now, you have something to give somebody else. So you just need to have confidence that that you know more than you think you do. And you definitely know more than other people, but you also have things to learn. So there's things you can ask and then there's things you can share. So you just have to be that person, harness that inner beaver and go and and start that community and be that that um, includer. So I have a, another thing. I know we're almost out of time. Travel. You travel a good bit, right? I do, yes. So were you always confident traveling in the beginning? Not not at all, no. Like in, okay. in the past I've I've almost always gone with friends and family, but recently I, I did pluck up the courage to go to Mexico on my own. But it wasn't like you just went to Mexico in your very first trip. You worked up to it, right? It's the same it's the same way. It's not like it just like with logos, you wouldn't be like, okay, I'm gonna redesign the Delta logo. Like for my first logo, I'm gonna attack Del- Delta Airlines. You know, of course you would never do that. You start small and you build up. So it's just like you travel maybe to the grocery store first by yourself. You know, you'd always been with somebody else, your mom or or your dad or something, and then now you go to the grocery store alone. Well, now you don't even think about going to the grocery store because you go to the grocery store. You have to eat. You want to eat. So now what's that next thing? Well, you don't even think about all the things that all these hurdles you've done in the past. You probably don't even think about going if you want to go to Italy or you want to go to I mean, I don't even know if you speak Spanish. So that's, again, so another country that doesn't speak the language that you were born with. So, like, these are baby steps, and you have to know the baby steps. But how amazing did you feel when you actually went to Mexico, you figured it all out, and you did it. You did it. Nobody else, Ian, you did it. Yeah, I I did. And it's one of the most exciting things I've done is I was able to see like the the Mayan temples, which is someone which is something I've always wanted to to do. Um but but you're right, I, I needed to gradually work up to that and 
uh, just to add, I, I don't speak Spanish, but I, I found um, that if you speak English, you can pretty much get by anywhere that you go without uh, knowing the, the language. But I find it useful just to know a few basic sentences. But there are also other tools like Google Translate or you know, you just have to have done the research. You don't like go to Alaska in shorts, right? So you you just have to know, you have to have done research, just like we're asking people to do research online about people they want to meet. Um, it's the same thing. It, this is just a big trip you're planning, right? The Your trip into our industry. And I mean, I'm still on a trip. Like it is never ending. Thank goodness. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. And I want to keep growing. I have mentors. I have people who I'm learning from, who I'm constantly learning from. And I just think that that's where it's an amazing industry and we can really be encouraging to each other. But again, it's just about it's about being inclusive, I think. Yeah, very much so. And and I, I think um, thanks to technology, things like uh, YouTube and and Facebook, you, you can easily learn anything you want and and connect with industry experts quite easily. So yes, the uh, the the world really is your oyster if you want to be a graphic designer. It's it's such an amazing time for us. Mm. Anyway, we're we're near an hour now, so I just want to ask you one last question to close off the interview. Can you tell us more about your podcast and community? I, I, I love Design Recharge, so I want people to know about it and to check it out. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? So thank you. Um, so it is, I started it in 2012 doing these online web shows. So I didn't have a podcast at that point. I didn't convert it to a podcast. It does live in the podcast uh zone, I guess, as well now. Um, but it does always live as a video because we're visual people. So I always think it's really nice to to see some visuals. But there are so many times it's just talking heads. And I think that that's okay too, because I think we, we need to, we're humans and it's good to see people's faces. But um, it is live and it, it is always live. It's always been live. Um, I do have some recordings that are for patrons, you know, on Patreon that are not live. They're not open to the public, I guess. But the ones that I do every week for, it'll be seven years at the end of May, beginning of June, which is a lot of time, actually. Um, it So I interview somebody, I send them some questions. I, th- I look, I'm continually learning about what's going on in our industry, where, where there are pain points for designers. And I try to bring people on you know, that have hope, that have have a story of hope. And I think, man, you're a great example of this, Ian. Um, you were somebody who really struggled with, okay, one, you weren't uh, trained as a designer, but you now are this huge, you have huge following with Logo Geek. You also are an amazing logo designer. You have to know that I believe you are a designer. I will give you a, a fake degree if you want, um, but you don't need it. Like you have earned it. And so you, I just want to encourage you that you need to not worry about not having a degree because you have, you have the, the road wear on your boots and you have done it. So you just need to be confident in that for sure. Because, um, I just, I just hate that you, if you, I don't know if you feel that way ever anymore, but, um, I don't so much now, but I did for a very long time. Um, you know, I've, I've been a graphic designer now for 10 years and there was a good right. five years where it's like, I don't think I know everything and, um, you know, not really sure what I'm doing. I, I don't think I'm good enough to go and try for that mm. job or whatever. You know, these, you, you do get this doubt when you don't go to university mm-hmm. that you are, you've, you've got something missing, but likewise, I feel like that's an advantage in my case because I can go out and, because I've got that drive where I feel like I've got mm-hmm. a missing link, I will keep learning. And and I do think that's an advantage. <laughs> and I agree. I totally agree. But it's about finding whatever maybe is your kryptonite is also your superpower, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. but pretty much it's a, every week it's a story about hope. So sometimes I try to do one a month that's just me talking and teaching something. I haven't done great on that because I have so many people that I want to interview, but I have been trying to do that. Um, 
but so so there's I think we just need hope. We need hope stories. That's I've kind of called it down that that's really what it is. I teach, I encourage, I motivate through these stories. So somebody who's done a Kickstarter, they have this idea and they wanted to how did you make that Kickstarter happen? Or I built a typeface and now I'm selling it or I am an illustrator and I was never trained and now I'm doing this or I use this. It, it's not so technical like I, this is how I use Illustrator, you know, and I use this tool or this tool, but sometimes it is tools. Sometimes it's Dustin Lee's talked about, um, you know, growing a business. He's also talked about battling anxiety. There's all kinds of things that we deal with as designers that come into play. So I really think it's a, a lot of times it's for people who work um, a lot of people are lonely onlys or they're part of a small team of designers um, and they have a side gig. They have, just like you, they have this side hustle that they're doing that they're super passionate about. And then some people are just full-time freelancers. And this is a time when they can come. They know every week it's at the same time unless I have a, somebody special and they need it at a different time. I'm totally flexible on that. But it's usually at 2.30 Eastern time on Wednesdays. That's when the normal thing, I think you're six hours ahead of me. So if you're, it's at 8.30, no, it's at 9.30 your time. I'm terrible with, because it's six <laughs> hours ahead of me. And that would be six plus, no, it'd be 7.30, 7.30 your time. <laughs> um, I'm terrible with math. Don't ask. We'll have a mathematician one day. Um, but, but like things I things I would love to cover is like copyright infringement. And I have, I've had some lawyers that have said that they would kind of come on. I have had some lawyers. I have interviewed one lawyer a couple of times and he's from California and he's really into social media. And so him and I have had some great conversations, but we talk about business stuff, stuff that we didn't learn in school, but that we really need to learn. And then um, just sometimes it's just specific typography or it's, you know, illustration. And sometimes I'll kind of lump them together of people who have gotten jobs in industries where aren't traditional um or, or they're working in-house or they're doing, you know, they've created a community in an in-house environment. That was what this guy this week was like. And then I try to do once a quarter or at least three times a year, a community meetup so I can have 50 people online uh, on screen at the same time. And so I try to have something, I think it, maybe it's a hundred people I can have on screen. So I try to do these community times where people can come on and meet each other and learn about each other. And then it's, again, it, it makes it really easy for you to meet some people and then feel bonded. But I've had people who have been coming every week for like six years. And that's like, I mean, they're my friends, you know, like I don't, I, and I introduce everybody. I try to get people, my guests to come a little early and I turn on, I go live, but I don't start recording. And I introduce people from wherever they come. I have, um, there's this guy, Jacob, who comes from Slovakia. And then I have a, a, my friend Andre comes from Portugal. So there's people that are coming from all over the world and they come regularly enough that I remember where they're from. And I try to introduce them to that live community. Now there's plenty of people who listen, they can't come live. They're working a full-time job. Um, and so then those people just email me and I love getting emails back. You know, sometimes I'm sure it's like this for you. Like you send a weekly email or a monthly email and nobody responds. And sometimes you're, I think everybody thinks they're, you're just getting inundated with these emails from this one email post, but we're really not. Uh, so I'm actually, especially if I ask a question, I love to get feedback. Now I do get, when I do ask a question, I do get um, feedback on, pretty good feedback. But sometimes it's like, you know, you can reach out to us. You are part of our community. And I think that's where an advantage of you having a mm -hmm. Facebook group, which I have not done that. Um, I have, I've been, I've thought about it really, really um, yeah. strongly, but it's, it's a lot of commitment. And I, so I run my own design company. I am a teacher full-time, a, a professor, and then I do the podcast. So it kind of doesn't leave a lot of time for um, anything else. So I, yeah. I just know how much commitment I might start that this summer or a Slack group or something so that there's more, cause I think there's an advantage to that. And you and I have talked about that because you created a, a huge community by doing that. Yeah. I, I definitely think you should do that. It, 
like it is a time commitment but you can invite your community to help to keep it moderated so that it isn't yeah that's a great idea and uh plus doing that they they feel special and they'd be happy to be part of what you're building. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's the reason I called it Design Recharge was because I just think we needed we needed a weekly dose of recharging because a lot of times I was just working, 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 and I was working on my own and I'm doing stuff with clients and I'm, I'm teaching students, but I didn't have a lot of time with other designers. So this was my excuse to learn from other people as well as be a part of a, a community and it's it's been really really great absolutely you you set a really great example i, I would say that you're uh, an amazing inspiration so i i love what you're doing with design recharge you, you make it very approachable to get involved with that and you're able to extract some really incredible stories from so many people so i hope listeners will go and check that out and join in with those live sessions to get their questions answered well, Diane, like I said, we've done over an hour now, so let's wrap this up. Um, I just have to say, Diane, thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolutely fantastic to talk with you. It's awesome to talk to you. Always is. Thank you so much for having me, Ian. I really, really appreciate it. Such a fantastic interview. Diane, thank you so much for coming on. If you'd like to learn more about Diane Gibbs, I highly recommend that you check out her website, rechargingyou.com, where you'll find the Design Recharge show you mentioned, which is a fantastic resource for designers. For a full transcription of this interview, along with links to any of the resources or tools discussed, go and check out the show notes for this episode, and you can find those at logogeek.uk forward slash 4.4. If you'd like to talk about anything discussed in this interview with Diane and myself, the best way to do that is to join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. We now have over 6,000 members from around the world and it's probably the best place online to talk about logo design. You can join for free just by heading over to logogeek.uk forward slash community. And if you've enjoyed this episode, why not write a review on iTunes? It's always so great to hear um, people's feedback. So if you've got time for that, it would be very much appreciated. So that's it for today. But thank you so much for listening. I'll see you again next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek podcast.